2: Greetings Grapple fans and welcome to the Pro Wrestling Index right here on the Anfield Index podcast channel. Uh, We were expecting tables, ladders and meh, but instead we got tables, ladders, chairs, excitement, the whole shebang. It's been quite an eventful week in the WWE and here to join myself, Andy Wales, well, it's been eventful, so he's had more time off than Kane, but he's back tonight, it's more chatter. Yeah,
3: Mr Main Event is back, um, thank you Andy. Is that yourself or Kane? <laughs> Perhaps both these days, but, uh, <laughs> and both of us probably don't deserve that title either, but, yeah, no, um, topped up the tan, glad to be back, uh, batteries refreshed, so, uh. Yes, and um, came back to a really, really good show from the WWE as well. So uh, that, that was uh, an added bonus.
2: It, w- it was a bonus because I've got to say, we, myself and Guy, we previewed the card last week. We were going through it and it, it wasn't particularly exciting. Obviously, the whole Shield reunion thing was getting people up and kind of looking forward to that. But looking up and down the rest of the card, other than you know getting our first sighting of of Asuka on the main uh, on the on the main roster, there wasn't too much to get excited about. But then things kind of took um, an odd uh, turn. Um, Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt uh, struck down by viral meningitis, and obviously we sincerely hope they do get better. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of illness going around the WWE, and uh, kind of. From nowhere, I mean, really, a curveball thrown in, in from uh, from WWE he was AJ Styles of SmackDown on there to take on uh, Finn Balor, taking the place of Bray Wyatt. And, of all things, Kurt Angle making his return to a WWE, a WWE ring for the first time uh, in, what was it, 11 years uh, to take Roman Reigns' place in, in the main event. Um, what what. What did you think when you initially heard that? I mean, obviously, apart from the fact that there was the illness there, but to to bring in Styles from the SmackDown brand and to to sort of shoehorn in uh, Kurt Angle with any kind of a sort of a build towards it, do you think that that there was a slight essence of uh, desperation in 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 bringing those two into the card?
3: Yeah, I think there was. Um, I'm not keen of you know, cross-pollination of um, talent between the brands. You know, when the brand split occurred last year, um, you know, this is something that we talked about, and uh, I was keen to see the mistakes of the previous brand split um, not be repeated, and therefore for the two brands to be kept um, separate as far as possible. Obviously, when it comes to shows like WrestleMania and Royal Rumble, um, they have to come together, but um, other than that, there really should be no reason to um, see Raw and SmackDown talent uh, appear on each other's shows. Um, And that was one of the things that brought the brand split to an end in the first place. Um, So, you know, I'm I'm never keen on that. And obviously there's been an increase in all of that with, um, you know, commentators and interviewers working across both shows, Um, but that said, Um, it meant that we weren't going to see Bray Wyatt um, on the show which immediately uh, made the show better because Bray Wyatt is just about my least favourite talent in the entire WWE these days I just have no time for him whatsoever, just absolutely zero interest in anything he has to say or do Um, he's just um, the number one reason for hitting the fast forward button um, when it comes to WWE programming um, so so that was good. Um, with Kurt Angle, I thought that it was a shame that it ended up like this. I mean, I, I always felt that it was inevitable he'd work a match or matches at some point. Um, but I would have liked to have seen him um, make his first return match in the WWE with more of a build um, beyond just the 24 or 48 hours that um, it had. All that said, though, um, it was quite a, quite a buzz created by the fact that uh, Kurt Angle was working his first WWE match in Donkey's years, and um, so certainly on social media, um, you know, it did create quite a bit of chat. So, so that was good, um, and in fact, overall, it probably ended up benefiting the show overall because um, both matches ended up uh, being you know certain highlights of um not only the show itself but um of, of recent weeks and months on the wwe
2: yeah yeah for all of it it was a slightly odd move and so you say you know you can have reservations over this and that and and a shame that i've got to agree yeah it's kind of a shame that um to to have kurt angles return to the ring be almost like a throwaway thing you know such a short uh short notice but it worked. And that, and that's the thing. Yeah, you, you're right. There was a buzz there. And I think the good thing was as well for not just for the event, for people watching at home, but I think for the crowd, that, that really kind of helps that experience at home as well is that gave a bit of a buzz to the crowd. They weren't just seeing the same old mundane show that they've been watching the past few few months, really. So it was um, suddenly everyone was looking forward to it. And, and that anticipation, I, I guess, really summed up by, you know, the first... The first match of the night, I thought this. I've got to say, more, I thought it was a, a great way to to a great place to to put uh, Asuka as the, you know the the opening match because if you can't be on last, be on first. Crowd really up for it. the The reaction she got was fantastic, and I, I've got to say, I I do think Emma is an under underutilized performer more. But I also have to say, I don't think a 10-minute 50-50 match was the best way to introduce Asuka, though, especially when you consider the whole build-up to her coming onto the main roster was about just how dominant she was in NXT.
3: Well, you're quite right. I mean, especially um, having a relatively even contest with somebody who's not really made much waves on the main roster in Emma. Um, But that said, um, Emma has had some good outings with Asuka on NXT. So that was perhaps part of the reason for wanting to um, pair her with Asuka in her debut match on the main roster. Um, And also, um, they clearly want to hold off on pairing Asuka with some of the bigger names, um, which they'll want to save for later on down the line, um, you know, in the likes of Bailey, Sasha Banks um, and co., And, um, you know, these are all opponents that, you know, or most of them that she's worked with um, on NXT as well um, and had some really, really good matches with them. Uh, But I thought, yeah, the the match was uh, a pretty good one. Um, Asuka came across in the end quite strong. The reaction to her coming out was actually better than I thought it would be. Um, So all things considered, um, it was a successful debut on the main roster. And um, we're looking forward to seeing how they use her. And, and, you know, I say that because um, there's been too many NXT talents that have come up from NXT this year in 2017 who have been handled quite poorly or disappointingly. Um, And uh, the writers for Raw and SmackDown almost seem to have... Ignored what has helped some of these talents get over on NXT in the first place, and then they sit there a few months after wondering, well, why is such and such um, not over like he or she was on NXT? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just hoping that they protect Asuka and try and retain what made her special on that uh, developmental brand. Um, And if they manage to do that, then she could be a real asset to the women's division on Raw.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's important that, you know, when you make mistakes, you learn from the mistakes. But it seems that the WWE really don't learn from the mistakes that they make with all these NXT talent coming up. Uh, and I, I do wonder if they don't actually acknowledge that they are making mistakes with them. Because, you know, if they are asking themselves, how come they're not getting over so much? they purely just, it you know, it's really simple. Just look, look at how they've been handled and. And it just seems to keep repeating it—the same method over and over and over again. You come in fifty-fifty matches, you know this whole parity booking thing. I I'd, I will absolutely cringe if, if they throw away unbeaten records so uh, very cheaply as well. I think that's something that's got to hold out for a long time. I've got to say more. What I think the way forward for Asker would be if if they tear up the the card that they've been using. For NXT talent and look instead to the way that they've used uh, Braun Strowman since they did the brand split and how they utilize Braun Strowman in that, you know, taking on, uh, taking on jobbers and whatnot, but make booking him very, very strong. And, and just the whole thing about being around how strong he is that, you know, how he annihilates His opponents, and it 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 doesn't, you know, how long he was protected before he even went into any kind of significant feuds with with any kind of other characters. They built his character up over such a length of time that he was so over it. it, it, I I thought he was so well protected, and and I and I, I do hope they look along more along them lines than. You know, the the way that they've booked so many other of the talents that have come up from NXT
3: Well, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, they need to um try and protect those talents that um have that potential to be something special. And clearly Strowman um was in the background as a member of the White family, but as soon as they broke him out as a singles talent um it soon began to emerge that actually they could really do something special with him, and he yeah, had that kind of throwback, kind of old school feel about him, didn't he? With that whole kind of monster, um, kind of aura about him. And uh, now Ask obviously hasn't got that same kind of demeanour or aura about her in that way, but she's got a different kind of special feel to which um, she carries across from NXT, and uh, they really need to try and ensure that it's not diluted by poor parity booking as you mentioned earlier and uh, if they manage to do that then you know she can have some really quite um productive work to kind of deliver with the likes of lex bliss sasha uh, banks bailey etc and um you know that that can certainly keep the women's division on raw strong for uh, quite a while so uh you know just hope that they Don't mess up with Asuka, because if they do, then what hope is there for the rest of the NXT talent? If um, arguably the most dominant talent that has worked on that brand for the last two years um, is wasted, then that that certainly doesn't bode well for for the rest of them.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Uh, next match up then was the cruiserweight tag team match. Cedric Alexander, Rich One, uh, beaten gentleman, Jack Gallagher and D. Brian Kendrick. Um, again, it's just another uh, another example of how disappointing the the whole cruiserweight division has been handled. In that you know, the, there's a Phenomenal talent in there, Cedric Alexander. I was really, really high on watching uh, Jack Gallagher earlier in the year, but I've got to say this was a match I just couldn't care less about. Uh, and that's I find that quite sad, really, when you think of the, the potential and some of the talent that was in the ring there.
3: Yeah, that's right. and I mean, it's funny because I actually quite enjoyed the match and uh, thought it was quite a good one. Um, I mean, it was, it was booked in a way that you... Um, it, it's hard to care about the outcome, about the individuals. Um, you know, it, it was just a throwaway match in, in many respects. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. What it it
2: was... wasn't, sorry, that, that's what I mean. It was not so much the match quality, but, but the fact that people aren't engaged with it. You You just don't really care. You're not emotionally invested in the match because, Nobody's really emotionally invested in in the vast majority of the cruiserweights. And that for me is just a a sad reflection of how, as a collective, they've been represented.
3: Yeah, the the booking of the whole division has just been a complete shambles. And, um, you know, I still go back to the fact that I think that half the roster that they chose for 205 Live to begin with um, were not the right individuals um there were people that they chose um who shouldn't have been included in that recent lineup i mean they had the pick of the world's best under you know 205 and under talent and um you know they, they needed a good mixture and they needed some people with charisma and um other than brian kendrick to an extent but then even with him you know we've seen him before and you know he was not a new face he was not a new talent and he worked in quite a subdued style which is the complete opposite of what you'd want to see from your smaller guys Um, and then obviously Jack Guller who's who's, um, got a kind of a quiet kind of quirky charisma about him and uh, Rich Swann who's got the whole dancing thing going on but the rest of them um, you know didn't really stand out in any way personality wise and you know, personality is quite important for um, the WWE because, um, you know, that, that's what fans are accustomed to, that it's not just about what you can do in the ring, it's about coming across like a star and um, coming across charismatic. And that's why um, the WWE recently decided to move Enzo into that division because they felt that it needed an injection of personality and charisma. And obviously he has it in abundance. Unfortunately for him, his in-ring work leaves a lot to be desired. Um, but, um, you know, they, they made a very poor first impression with 205 Live and they've never recovered. And uh, that, that's why the likes of Austin Aries have left um, and never wants out. And, um, you know, it's it's unfortunate that their de- division and uh, no matter what they do, they just can't seem to resurrect it. And it, it's a crying shame because there's so much good talent out there of that kind of size. Uh, but the whole delivery of this um, division has just been a complete botch and uh, again they didn't learn the lessons from the cruiserweight classic when they got it so gloriously right Um, the whole thing was presented superbly and everything that worked in terms of the format presentation um, they completely discarded with 205 live and then again they sit there and wonder why it's not getting over, well, you know, what, what can you do?
2: Yeah, well, uh, that's, uh, I mean, what you mentioned there, Enzo Mori and Kalisto, uh, they fought for the title, Enzo Mori's got the belt back again, uh, not a particularly good match, um, I'm not in any way engaged with Kalisto, although I know he can, he can have some good matches and some good moments i think he was probably best suited when he was in the tag team with Zinkara and and they could show off their moves that way uh, i i don't think this whole thing of bringing in kalisto to the uh, cruiserweight division has has done anything uh, i'm not sure what that that was supposed to achieve or i, I guess i understand what they they thought they could achieve from it but it certainly hasn't uh, panned out in any way that you know because just because he's a more established name I don't think he's added anything to it at all so we're back with Enzo mori with a title and I guess we're back to a champion that can talk and do nothing else that's right yeah
3: yeah I mean it, I, I think they probably feel frustrated that they haven't got somebody who can talk and work and the thing is I mean that that's a bit harsh on some of the members of the roster like um you know rich Swan who's a decent talker and can work as well but um you know even with the likes of Rich Swan and Co um, you know they're and even Jack Gallagher which, which might be an unpopular opinion but um you know he, he's he's very good but there are talents out there that are actually significantly better um, and I'm, I'm thinking about the likes of um Pete Dunne and um, the original United Kingdom champion um, Tyler Bates, who, in my view, and I've seen both of those and I've seen Gallo before he came into the WWE, those two individuals are certainly several levels above Jack Gallo. As good as Jack Gallo is, and he's had some you know, really good matches in his time in the WWE, he's not the level of those two guys yet. Those two guys rarely feature in the WWE, even though they're under contract. And these are the type type of individuals that can really do something to bring this division to life. But, um, you know, they've they've largely persisted with the same roster that they pulled together um, a while back. And, um, you know, this is a a collection of individuals that have largely struggled to get over. And um, most most fans just uh, are completely indifferent towards them.
2: Yeah, well, you mentioned Pete Dunne there. I mean, Imagine Pete Dunne as a as a heel champion. Uh, you know, that Pete Dunne that we saw in that UK uh, championship, that tournament, sorry. It, you imagine him, it, it, probably the closest thing that they could get to the, the heel persona that was Neville, you know, someone who could work and had that, was able to uh, portray that nastiness. Uh, do, you, do you think that that will be something that we will see eventually?
3: Well, I'd hope so. I mean, as I say, he's under contract and um, he is their United Kingdom champion. But um, you know, he's largely uh, restricted to working indie shows. I mean, he's obviously putting the odd appearance on Two Hundred Five Live, um, uh, sorry, on, on NXT rather. But um, you know, he's he's somebody who's tailor made for the Two Hundred Five uh, Live roster, and uh, you know, he'd, he'd really stand out because. He has this charisma about him. He's got a great personality, um, comes across like a proper heel um, and can work as well. And, um, you know, I think it'd be a breath of fresh air. he would really bring some life to this roster. And it's, it, it needs something because at this point in time, it's really on life support now. And um, they're persisting with it. But all it needs is Vince to say, look, it's just failed. Forget it. It's just taken up TV time that can be used for... Um, you know, more Bray Wyatt segments or more of Kane um so or more big men just generally, so um let us just get rid of all these midgets. Um and that's what
2: um <laughs> view would be. Oh, you're, you're so cynical. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I speak from bitter experience <laughs>
2: So moving across to back to the women's division, Alexa Bliss successfully defending uh, the women's championship, the Raw women's championship against Mickey James. Um, I've got to say, I think this is probably the the best performance, the best match I've seen from Alexa Bliss. She's certainly not not only she she's become very good on the mic. She's really got a, a well rounded character. Her ring ring work is is really improving now. Um, I enjoyed this much more. I I really did.
3: Yes, it was very good. Um, you know, credit to Alexa though. She's really worked hard, um, you know, since she stepped up to the main roster, um, clearly came up to the main roster, knowing that there were the likes of Bailey and Sasha Banks and others who had that reputation of being, um, you know, top quality workers, um, when when obviously she came up to smackdown which was a very um, you know uh, subdued uh, division with, with the female roster over there but um you know she capitalized on that opportunity and um, certainly came across strongly in terms of personality um, but still had some work to do in terms of her in ring uh, but she did improve over on smackdown and since moving over to raw earlier in the year she's continued to improve and um You know, this is one of her best, if not her best, outing um, whilst um, uh, being on the main roster. So that was really good to see. Mickey James is a a solid hand as well. So, um, you know, she kind of uh, played her part in making the match what it was. Uh, But, you know, it was a really um, good outing for Alexa Bliss, all things considered, because um, she came across like a star. Um, had a good match and uh, got a good reaction. So, um, you know, it was something that enhanced her as a talent on on the overall roster. So, um, you know, she she has to be very pleased with how things are going for her career. Um, But it was clearly um, a decision to just, um, you know, keep her busy with um, any opponent other than, you know, the obvious ones before um, they line her up to... Compete and feud with, um, you know, the bigger names like Bailey and Sasha Banks again, um, and of course, it's probably only a matter of time before um, she competes with um, her former nemesis in uh, Asuka.
2: Yeah, that, that will certainly be interesting. Hopefully, they do hold that one off, and we have that sense of anticipation before uh, we get Asuka into the the title picture. But that that's my personal view. Um, anyway, so. As we mentioned, you know, AJ Styles stepped in for Bray Wyatt uh, to take on Finn Balor. Uh, and more, if if Balor against Wyatt was how not to use Finn Balor, then, you know, Finn Balor against AJ Styles, that that is how you use Finn Balor. That's how you get the best out of him. That's how you get these exciting moments. And uh, Roar and Kane we'll, we'll get to in a bit of how not to use him once again. But for now if we concentrate on the positive, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, I really, really enjoyed this match. And for what it was, it just that sense of it just being a contest rather than any of these, you know, stupid uh, ridiculous storylines that were the terrible storylines that we've particularly seen involving Finn Balor of late. It just felt refreshing to see him just in the contest uh, and in a, involved in a great match.
3: Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that Paul Heyman used to talk about when he ran ECW was about, um, accentuating people's strengths and hiding their weaknesses. And, um, uh, this was, as you say, a good example of that. You know, it's it's evident to everyone that Finn Balor is is somebody who's not a great talker. He's not um, a particularly strong storyline type performer because um, f- for that you need to um, almost be a, g- a good actor, and um, now that's just not what Finn Balor's normally done throughout his career. I mean, he worked extensively in Japan, um, where it was very much about wrestling presented as sports a bit like how it used to be here in the UK for decades in the world of sport days. Um, and, um, you know, that that's what Finn Balor's used to. And this was more of a kind of match that um, he was more accustomed to in Japan. And um, it was just about two guys getting in there. And the story was very simple. You know, the the very simplest that you can get in pro wrestling of right. Um, wrestler A, is competing wrestler B and they're going to try and outperform each other and, sh- you know, prove who's the better man. And, um, you know, that's what this essentially came down to. And, uh, you know, they, they pulled off a superb match. And, uh, you know, this was, at last, portraying Finn Balor um, in, in, in his strongest way. I mean, he's an exceptional in-ring worker, uh, but he's really had um, little chance to display exactly what he's capable of because for months now he's been lumbered with Um, the useless lump that is Bray Wyatt, um, who's not a very good worker. And, um, you know, this whole storyline element with Bray, um, is just not up Finn street. And, um, you know, with AJ Styles, we all know just how good he is in the ring. So these two, um, you know, had a really, really good match back and forth, you know, some great near fours. And, um, Good to see Fembella go over as well. I mean, it's about time that um, he got a good, strong win and um, over a, a former world champion as well. Um, that, that was certainly uh, a good thing to see. All of that great work was obviously undone just 24 hours later, which we'll come on to. Um, but no, well, we that, that a, was They had
2: to build him up for Kane, though, didn't they?
3: Oh, God. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, well we'll we'll fear we about that, that later. We on. will
2: get to that. <laughs> but
3: uh no, I mean these are two guys that um were you know in the bullet club and they had their kind of bullet club um celebration post match and um, that that was kind of good to see and
2: uh fans you know, enjoyed that as well, didn't
3: they? Yeah, yeah, they did, yeah, that's right. Um so the doing the whole two sweet thing, you know, that was that was pretty cool. Um but yeah, as a standalone match, um you know it was it was a really really fun 20 minutes
2: i think it was it was good it, it it just kind of showed that you you can do this on the main roster sometimes you can just present it as a contest as if like you said as if a pure sporting contest because i think sometimes you know the talk about this being the re, supposedly being the reality era i think at times it just needs to be that you know quite simply I want to beat you. You know, I want to be the champion in order to be champion. I've got to get past you. So I want to beat you. I'm better than you. I want to beat you. We, you know, we don't have to have convoluted storylines all the time. Uh, You know, if there's that mixture, you know, not just everything storyline, you know, driven that, you know, that has to be, you know, you, you cheated on, on my, girlfriend or god knows what or you know all these ridiculous things that they dream up for a reason for somebody to actually have a match you know we it can't just be sporting it can't just be storylines if we have a bit of an even match i, I think like you said that whole thing about you know accentuating the strengths hiding the weaknesses you know that they you if you use them right in the right way that this is this is where you can you know, really showcase the different types of talent that they have.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, th- this is you know, just something they need to learn about because, um, you know, they, they've got some exceptional workers on their roster. And, um, despite that, they overall, um, are under delivering in the ring. I mean, they just, as a company are not putting on the, um, you know volume of great matches that they they should be no and you know you've got to bear in mind I mean we're living in a time now where pro wrestling is certainly from an in-ring product perspective on a worldwide basis the best it has ever been um, yet you can't really say that from the WWE because um, you know we've had periods in the past where the in-ring product has been stronger um, despite the fact that they're Roster um, is certainly in terms of in-ring talent and really good workers, possibly as strong as it's ever been. But so many of the workers are just not getting the opportunity to show what they're capable of. They're almost on a leash. They're restrained. Um, they're constrained. Um, they can't just go out and express themselves. And um, you know that that's why you know people like Neville want to just give up because. know they take pride in their work they see it as an art form and um they're frustrated artists and they'd rather go away from the biggest company in the business and um, have that freedom and have the shackles removed and be able to go out on weekends in front of crowds which might only be 500 or a thousand but feel happy about being able to do what they like to do best rather than um be told about well you've got to work five minutes this is the way you're going to lay the match out and um, everything being so overly prescribed and uh, scripted and uh, you know there's there's a lot of frustration in the company amongst a lot of the talent because you know it's clear that there's so much good talent there and yet what we're seeing in the ring from the company overall is, is certainly underwhelming despite the fact that we do get some good matches and some really good matches Um, this is a company that based on the roster it has should be delivering far far more really good matches on a weekly basis and we just don't get that
2: yeah do you think there's a case of there's a lot of wrestlers out there they're wrestlers they love wrestling they love the business it's what they love to do and that's what they want to do not they're not actors. They don't want to be actors. They don't want to be movie stars. They don't want to learn how to deliver lines. They just want to be great wrestlers. And I guess for them, that, that's what goes on in the ring. They tell a story in the ring rather than um, acting it out in a prescripted dialogue behind the scenes.
3: Well, that's right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, they, most of the roster, you know, they've come through the independent scene and they turn up to shows and um, all they'd have to worry about is, you know, planning out their matches with their opponents and going out there and having really good matches and having a good time, you know, and um, you've got the opposite when you turn up to TV on Raw and Smackdown, whereby, you know, straight away, you've got to go and meet with um, the writers And then they will tell you, okay, this is what we've got planned for you. This is the script with your promo for segment four of the show. And uh, then you've got to spend two to three hours, you know, firstly memorizing your promos and then uh, rehearsing it with your opponent and um, anyone else that might be involved. And then also then working with the match producers to kind of work through the match that the match producer has come up with um and you know there are ex- exceptions to that you know you've got people that are given more freedom about how they can cut promos and work their matches but for the majority of the roster you know that you've got to do as you're told by either the writers or the match producers and uh, it's a source of immense frustration for a lot of the talent that are you know on the roster because you know the creative freedom that they had elsewhere is taken away and, um, you know, they're just expected to go out there like robots and just perform and regurgitate lines that are given to them, which, you know, normally they'd never use in real life. And that's what also results in promos that come across as, um, unauthentic. And, uh, you know, then again, people wonder why talent don't get over it's because, you know, when people are cutting promos, it seems like they don't believe what they're saying. And, um, you know, it makes a big difference. You know, if you look at, I don't know, Conor McGregor, he's an incredible promo, but, um, and, and some of the stuff he'll come out with it is stuff. He will script himself. You know, it'll be all pre-planned, you know, rehearsed stuff, but it comes across as real. It comes across as genuine because he's got everyone believing in his gimmick, in his character. And they think it's real. And, um, you know, that that's the kind of problem that WWE has is that very few characters come across as authentic. You know, you've got maybe Enzo Amore that comes across, you know, when he cuts a promo, um, it feels real because I think he does actually um, uh, script a lot of his own stuff. But, you know, the majority of the roster, and we've seen it with Roman Reigns, most notably in the past um they are given material that comes across completely different to how you'd expect that individual to speak and um you know it just has the opposite effect to what the writers are looking for which is to get these talents over um yeah. so yeah we're in the
2: we're in the unauthentic era, never mind the reality <laughs> era. <laughs> I don't think they'll try and stick that one on a box, though. No. no. But, uh, I mean, well, to contrast that, going from Finn Balor, AJ Styles, I mean, that's what got us going before we uh, we went off on our tangents. Um, to go from that to, the you know, uh, a last-minute sort of thrown-in match of, of Jason Jordan and Elias, uh, I, I enjoy some of these segments with Elias on Raw, I think the, the, what he's doing, he does it well. But it felt like TV, you know, the, these the moments that they were chucking it out a couple of times before they eventually then had a match, it just felt like something that should be on Raw. It wasn't really there for a pay-per-view. And I know they used it as the break before the main event, but it just, it really kind of takes you out of the mood for the moment. And like you say, you know, to contrast going from, a you know real excitement and something that felt quite genuine and pure enjoyment watching baller and styles go at it to to watching this it it was uh, yeah throwaway well yeah
3: i mean it started with jordan throwing vegetables and fruit and all sorts at alies when he was singing earlier in the show so that was just absolutely lame as anything um and then the match wasn't all that much better and uh you know the crowd really wasn't all that interested either you know jordan's been a, a flop um you know he and, and this is where you know we we've got a problem in the WWE because um you know somebody like jason jordan is very good in the ring but um when it comes to personality promos being a storyline performer he he just lacks it i mean, I mean that's not to say that He can't improve and um, over time develop into a strong storyline performer. But at this moment in time, um, he he just doesn't have it. And uh, splitting him up from um, Chad Gable, um, I think, feels more and more like a mistake. Um, (laughs) Nobody believes the whole, you know, uh, he's Kurt Angle's son storyline. It's too ridiculous, isn't it? Failure.
2: Yeah, yeah, they they ask us to suspend disbelief, and we're all willing to do that as fans. We we know it's predetermined and everything like that. We know it's a you know a glorified TV show, whatever, you, however you want to you know put it together. But you know we are prepared to suspend disbelief to an extent. You know, but there's some stuff that's just too far even for wrestling fans, and we just go not not having that. And that this is one of them, isn't it? It's one of their moments where you just go oh, this is just too much. This is really too much. And I think it's a terrible gimmick that rather than helping Jason Jordan, it's actually hindering him even more.
3: Yeah, it is, absolutely. Um, No, it's just um, a really dumb idea. Um, And, uh, I mean, that's not even speaking with the benefit of hindsight. It's something that immediately came across like a bad idea, as soon as he walked through the curtain, and um, it was revealed that he was um, Kurt Angle's um, son. And, uh, you know, as bad as the whole thing started off, it's just gone from bad to worse. And uh, they, they just need to kind of nix it in some form or fashion. I mean, it's just um, not going to turn around. It's just been a complete failure. Um, and They just need to bring it to an end in some way. And... Um, Move on, because if they don't, and if they try and persist with this, then jordan's long term prospects will not be good at all uh, and that would be a shame because, as i say in ring wise he's he's very good
2: he is he is I think the only way out of it is is that he's it's a heel turn and it and he reveals that he's not his son, and the whole thing was made up, and it was just a way for him to get his break and he's just manipulated it. And then we have a match between Jordan and Angle. Uh, I think that's the only way out of this. Mm.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, a heel turn, and um, it might be that as a heel, um, he might come across um, actually quite a bit more believable than he does as this kind of um, baby face son of Kurt Angle, because nobody believes that whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, you know, no. they, they need to kind of reverse and, you know, you turn out of this as quickly as possible
2: (laughs) hit reverse very very quickly yeah going from well i mean talking something that's been very badly booked i mean to go to something that i think was well booked and really really well laid out especially when you consider you know all the last minute changes and the implications of just having such strong characters in a three versus five match um you know, a, a five-on-three handicap must be difficult to do, especially given that it's TLC. I've got to say, the main event really, really delivered for me. Uh, I'm not sure about Kurt Angle in the Shield uniform. He just his head looks uh, strangely massive, but. um on the whole, I, I, I did enjoy that main event and I just thought the way it was laid out and the way it was executed, um, it, it was quite smartly done and and it worked for me. I, I, re- I quite enjoyed it.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was um, a match that really divided opinion online um, on social media. There was a significant um, section of the fan base, wrestling fan base, that absolutely despised this match thought it was one of the worst matches they've ever seen. Um, I was really surprised by um, how vociferous some people were about how bad they thought the match was. Um, I'm with you though. I thought it was a, a really good match. Um, now, I can understand why some people hated it because um, certainly the kind of heel domination segment of the match uh, seemed to go on forever um, but in a way it, was a bit reminiscent of um some of these you know epic um lucha libre matches that we've seen in mexico where you know the heels um dominate the the baby faces or the the as they're called in in mexico um for ages and ages and then um you know it looks like the technicos are completely doomed and they're going to lose the match and then somehow they claw their cells back into it and ultimately win that's what happened here. I mean, it was it was more of a storyline type match, um, and there was a lot of smokes, mirrors, and bells and whistles, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it worked actually quite well in execution, and um, I thought that um, you know it worked really well in um, pre- portraying Kurt Angle as um, in just about the right way. In fact, that he didn't come across like this. Part timer that's been you know away from the business for loads of years, who's dominating his opponents, which is one of my common criticisms of part timers at work WrestleMania, because um, obviously he worked the match and then he was laid out and then disappeared for twenty minutes or whatever it was and then came back at the end. Um, but at the same time, um, it had various other dimensions to the match as well with Kane and Strowman. Um, and the kind of thing that went on between those two and Strowman's probably still in a landfill somewhere trying to dig himself out and um, we had um,
2: that was was it, that was kind of the the subplot wasn't it, as as well as the match we had this kind of build towards Strowman's next opponent and it was, I I guess it's that it's almost the the follow up to, to Strowman looking quite weak in the way that he did against Brock Lesnar, you know, one F5, 10 minutes, he's all done and dusted quite simply, really. And it's this whole building um, Stroman back up to be this, you know, you know, a monster that's that's a sca- <laughs> so scary and nobody wants to go near him that he has to, you know, that he's given another opponent that's big and fearsome and tall and, you know, over 300 pounds. And 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 he. And he deals with him, so I guess it, this this was the kind of the subplot, wasn't it? it? Was was building towards creating this this next opponent for Braun Strowman.
3: Yeah, that's right, absolutely. And um, no, I, I was I was fine with that. I mean, there were those that chris who criticised the match that thought the whole thing made no sense whatsoever. Um, but you know, when it was explained on Raw the next night, it, it just made sense, and even. During the match itself it made sense anyway so um, i didn't really get that criticism um and we haven't even talked about ambrose and rollins i mean these two are people that we've um been critical of in different ways this year and um, this was an opportunity for them to kind of regain some much-needed momentum um but they were overshadowed by the fact that Kurt angles were returning uh, but nonetheless they still played their part in the match as well and uh they kept things together and,
2: um, I I thought um, they carried the match at times. Actually, I thought they carried it really, really well. And it's, it's almost re-energized this whole shield thing has really kind of re-energized these two.
3: Yeah, it has. Yeah. And I think they, between them enjoyed working this whole thing. And, um, now perhaps they were disappointed that Roman wasn't there. Um, but I'm sure they'll get a chance to have a, a proper reunion with the three of them. Um, later on down the line. And, um, you know, they, they needed something because, um, you know, certainly with Ambrose, his, his whole momentum is not what it was a couple of years ago. And even Rollins really, I mean, he's obviously had some bad luck with injuries, but, um, the whole run as a baby face. is just not worked out for him. And, uh, you know, coming together to reform, um, the shield might be just a thing to, uh, help them um take a different direction and um regain some momentum as singles performers again. Um but um no I, th- I think for the time being, you know, this is about as good a use of them as uh, as um the bookers can can come up with. So, you know, credit to the writers for that then. Um that that's worked perfectly fine. Um and then obviously in the end we had uh, angle go over the Miz. Um in terms of the pinfall after the kind of Roman Reigns uh, powerbomb spot. And um, for for me, that worked perfectly fine. Um, It didn't really hurt the Miz in any way, as far as I'm concerned. Um, And, you know, Miz certainly had various moments throughout the match when he was allowed to look quite strong. So I've really got no criticism about the way this match was booked. Um, I thought it was very enjoyable. The fans live clearly enjoyed it as well and um uh, got a good reaction so you know all things considered thumbs up to the match and thumbs up to the show
2: yeah i have got to say the same i thought it was it was a fun end to a good pay per view and, and and that was it you know going into the event well a few days before the event we, we, there, there wasn't too much in the way of anticipation for it but um you know yeah things took a turn and it ended up being a good show uh main event and yeah quite enjoyed it so and we we've we've alluded to it <laughs> let's let's get to raw then um where better to start then with bala and kane how uh, you know having spoke about how this was refreshing to see finn Bala use this way positively and definitely the right thing for him to go over that whole kind of thing of yeah, Ballard's strong again. Look, they've built him up and maybe they're going to use him in the right way. Uh, he's given his cannon fodder to Kane, who we've, you know, the, until the week before, we hadn't seen in around a year. I mean, what, I've got to say, what on earth is that more? Really is, I, I, for me, it's it's stupidity because you can see from a million miles away, it's it's just a way of trying to make Kane looks strong before you feed him to Braun Strowman and nothing else. So Finn Balor is a sacrificial lamb for another storyline.
3: Absolutely. Um, This is just um, absurd, quite frankly. Um, Now, Finn Balor, you know, the company shouldn't forget, was a person they put their universal title on. Um, just some, fift- well, not even 15 months, about 14 months ago. And um, they put him over really, really strong You know, within his first few weeks um, on the main roster um, after stepping up from NXT. And obviously, he was very unfortunate to sustain an injury, uh, was out for quite a while. And um, since returning this year, um, the way he's been portrayed, the way he's been booked... Has been um, extremely disappointing because you know Finn Balor is another one. You know, we talked about special talents and how they should be protected, and we talked about Strowman and Asker. Well, you know, Finn Balor is one of those. You know, he's not a run-of-the-mill type individual who just can blend into the background. If he's booked in the right way um, and protected, you know, he can be a real asset and can be a real bonafide superstar for this company but um you know all that he all that's happened by the writers is um exposing his weaknesses the fact that he's not a very good promo um you know in, instead of keeping his promo short or you know maybe give him only a promo every few weeks they give him long promos every single week almost to say look everyone this guy isn't very good and uh perhaps it's Vince, you know, trying to kind of win over the point he always wants to make, which is, um, this should be about, um, sports entertainers. And it's not about wrestling and, uh, maybe oh, bodybuilders. <laughs> yeah. About that's six it, yeah. foot
2: five inch bodybuilders.
3: Mm, we need more of them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it's all part of the, the game that's been played, um, you know, behind the scenes in the WWE and, uh, Baller an unfortunate victim of that. And, uh, you know, it, this is something that obviously outraged large sections of the audience. Um, but um, when, when the WWE pulls this kind of shit, then uh, that's when the more hardcore elements of the fan base really rally behind a, a, an individual that they think is being unfairly um, treated. And we saw that most notably with Daniel Bryan, And um, the more the company tried to uh, suppress his kind of momentum, the more the hardcore elements of the fan base uh, who really do um, attend in vast numbers at the bigger shows like Survivor Series and WrestleMania and Royal Rumble, the more vociferous their support became um, at those shows for Daniel Bryan and you know, come Survivor Series, I wouldn't be surprised if Finn Balor actually gets a good, good reaction, one of the strongest of the night, um, because you know he is certainly a, a very strong favourite amongst that particular element of the WWE fan base. So yeah. um, the the booking was just nonsensical. Um, and in fairness to Kane, you know he he's a very humble. He's not one of these egotistical um, types who likes to put down and go over younger talent um but um you know it was clear the decision made by um the writers and most likely vince um he wants to keep kane strong um you know in readiness for ultimately putting over Strowman. um but you know they could have had kane go over one of several dozen other talents but they decided for it to be finn Balor, and uh, that's just a joke
2: Yeah, I mean, I've got to say I wasn't angry myself. I I was just kind of dismayed and just thought, just shook my head thinking, what a dumb move. (laughs) You're just hurting your own product. But there you go. Um, On Raw, you know, they announced, obviously, uh, that's that's coming out. uh, It started last week with a whole... um, uh, Brock Lesnar and Jinder Mahal thing and they announced obviously all loads of the matches coming up for Survivor Series We won't go into the matches because we'll do that in due course Obviously once we get closer to uh, Survivor Series we will do a full preview But one more thing from uh, from Raw Smackdown uh, And I would keen to get your thoughts on this more was this whole um under siege this hashtag under siege uh the 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 SmackDown superstars turning up on Raw. Um, I, personally, I wasn't such a big fan of it. I know some fans will probably enjoy some of the moments. I just felt people like, certainly like for uh, Shinsuke Nakamura to be involved in that, for me, he came out of that looking like just an, a mid-card guy and not a particularly important guy they go around and you've got established baby faces going round storming people in the back it just the whole thing i i for me wasn't wasn't necessarily the best way to play it out um what about yourself i mean did you enjoy do you think it was it it was well done or are or we more along the same lines as myself
3: well, again, it's probably an idea that seemed good on paper, um, but in practice, it just didn't work. And um, it was just a very, very bizarre um, finish to Raw. The whole thing, I mean, where, you know, you've got pretty much all of the talent from SmackDown Live turning up half of move, obviously, faces, almost being presented as heels on on this, um, you know, end of raw, um, in itself was quite strange in a way. When you see people that are very clear, baby face, like Nakamura going around, trying to find people backstage and beating them up. And, uh, then, um, hunting down, Kurt Angle and, you know, escorting him, uh, to the ring and, uh, Shane then getting in his face and saying, um, I want you to bring your gold medal, what's left of your raw roster, and we're going to finish what we started. Um, yeah, okay. So that was just—it was designed to try and get people talking and uh, away from the usual. Okay, here are hour five for the raw versus SmackDown, and then SmackDown saying, okay, here are hour five. Uh, and I guess the way that this is going to play out over the next several weeks is when they appear on each other's shows, the heels. And obviously when they're on their own shows, they're faces. Um, But yeah, the the whole way it was all done was just um, a bit too hokey and convoluted and confusing. So it didn't work. And uh, it was not um, something I think came across particularly strong. And uh, certainly the reactions of the fans live... um, suggested that it wasn't something that came across particularly strongly um, on a live basis either. So it it was somewhat of a fail.
2: Yeah, I'm glad I wasn't alone there. Uh, Just for me, it it was one of them ideas where, like you said, it probably felt like a good idea at the time. But again, if you really think it through and, and all the what ifs, yeah, but, yeah, but, what if, yeah, but, yeah, but, and start to look at it and what does that do for some of the talent that's involved? And how <clears throat> how ridiculous does it look? Yeah, it it's not a particularly good idea. And I think there was there was more than one way to present it. I think it could have been presented differently and, and it still and it then perhaps would have got over. But yeah, I I think what you said, Hawkey was the really good thing because it was, it was almost to me as though they were kind of trying to recreate that whole ECW thing from years ago when a lot of them turned up and it's failed spectacularly to, to get anything like that atmosphere and that kind of a feel to it. Um, And I just hope that this is not what we're going to see now for the next few weeks until we get to Survivor Series is this back and forth, back and forth like this. Cause I want to really look forward to some of their matches uh, and this whole idea of, of it being raw versus SmackDown and, and, and that hokiness, uh, I'll get so bored of seeing it by the time that to Survivor Series comes around. I, I think I'll have lost interest by that point. If that's what we're going to get week on week.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I'd like them to come up with some better ideas. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure we won't get the same kind of uh invasion things going on every single week uh, I'm sure they will kind of mix it up and uh learn from um the reaction and w w e you know they do pay attention to um the reaction to um you know, certainly the key angles um on social media and i'm pretty sure that um you know a lot of the fan base um reacted quite negatively but um all of that said um ratings for smackdown this week um were higher than usual uh, perhaps because of the way in which um the end of raw panned out so maybe they thought okay well that that kind of worked because it was different so let's try and come up with something maybe not um the same but similar and uh, so yeah, who, who knows what the end of Raw will be next week, but um, yeah, I, I think we'll certainly see um, you know, people going back and forth from uh, Raw and SmackDown onto the uh, opposite roster shows, um, certainly until Survivor Series is done and dusted. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty certain there are better ways of making the angle work. And uh, it didn't get off to a good start, but on the positive note, um, you know, it can only get better.
2: Exactly. And the positive note is where we will end because that wraps up this, uh, this edition of the pro wrestling index right here on the Anfield index podcast channel. And uh, don't forget, you can keep in touch with us. Uh, as we always say, at PW underscore index is our Twitter handle. Don't be afraid to get in contact with us, share your thoughts, give us your opinions uh, and ask us questions if you so wish uh, if you want to put some questions in there i will ask them i will ask more of them for you no problem at all so uh, as always uh thanks to mo chatra for joining me tonight and we want to thank all of you as always for listening in and hitting that download button but until next time from me andy wales and from mo chatra here at the pro wrestling index it is bye-bye for now
1: in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.